the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Healing Word Program is a ministry of the Largo Community Church, where Christ is honored and people are loved. You're invited to join us in worship via live streaming this Sunday morning at either 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Visit LargoCC.org and click on Watch Live. Friend, today we're connected to a great race of people, the Christian race, the race that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're hearing, I pray that we are, this same Jesus that is taken up shall so come in like manner. Mary did her job and she did it well. She's the first mother of Christianity. Welcome to a special Mother's Day edition of The Healing Word. Today, Pastor Jack Morris will look at an incredibly special mother, the mother of Jesus. Let's join the congregation of the Largo Community Church for today's message, Jesus and His Mother. Now, I'm going to begin the message talking about family, family in general, and then I'll narrow it down to Jesus and His mother. Family is the basic unit of society. We're thankful for family. Family is one of the most blessed gifts. Sometimes family can be somewhat difficult also, but uh, God loves the family. He's the one that thought of the family. He's the one that made the family. So that being the case, the family is a divine institution. We think of family, the traditional family, a mother and a father raising children. Sometimes it's a single parent raising children. A household, a household is sometimes referred to as a family. A household is a number of individuals living under the same roof. And then we hear the word clan, and that's an ancestral group. But God created the family. The first family of the Bible, Adam and Eve, they had several children, two of them, we know their names, Cain and Abel. The first family of the Bible. You see, God thought family was a good idea. And when God thinks something is a good idea, he created it and said, it is good. And when God pronounces good upon something, it is certainly good. Now, the devil has tried to destroy the happiness of families, but God still thinks it's a good idea. Now, the first family of the New Testament is sometimes referred to as the Holy Family. That's Joseph and Mary and Jesus. But... Jesus was only the first child, the eldest child. There were a number of other brothers and sisters born to Joseph and Mary. The Bible clearly tells us so. So Jesus knows about family. When Jesus was eight days old, his parents took him to the temple. He came under the the, uh, law of Moses, identified with the race of Jews, the Israeli race. Then for 10 years, we didn't hear anything about him. And then when he was 12 years old, uh, he was taken back to the temple. 
and now he becomes a man, according to Jewish law. That's when he was in the temple and he was asking questions of the lawyers and asking them questions. They were asking him questions and uh, he was missing for three days and his, his mother began to be very concerned about her son. She knew from the very beginning that there was something very different about this boy, but she just couldn't, couldn't put it all together. But it, the truth of Jesus and who he was and his relationship with her and with the family and even with the world was very different. And she began to sense this very keenly. But after he was 12 years old, sometime after 12 years old, Joseph died. Now, it doesn't say specifically in the scripture that he died, but there is clear evidence that he was out of the picture. That being the case, Jesus became, according to Jewish law, the head of the family. That meant that he took over the carpenter shop and the business. He provided for his mother and siblings. There were bills to pay, family responsibilities, his brothers and sisters needed cared for. What I'm trying to say this morning, Jesus knows about family and family responsibilities. Then at approximately age 30, he takes off his carpenter apron. He puts the saw and hammer and tools away. He goes to the river Jordan to be baptized of John and to begin ministry. The, Family now is old enough. The brothers and sisters could take care of themselves and take care of Mary. But Jesus was very concerned about his mother and his brothers and sisters. And he took very good care of them until they were able to go on their own. Now let's look at the relationship that Jesus had with his mother Mary. The holy angel spoke to her and told her that she was going to be the mother of our Lord. She didn't know how it was going to happen. It was going to be a miraculous birth. She accepted, she yielded, and sure enough, the Lord Jesus uh, entered her womb and she gave birth to the Savior. Now, Jesus was just a little baby. Then he became a little boy. And she made sure that he had a good, solid education. Jesus was every bit human as your child and my children were. She sent him to the synagogue school when he was about five or six years old, where he studied the law, he studied the Pentateuch, he studied the Old Testament history. He was taught about Israeli bondage in Egypt, how God miraculously delivered them, how they crossed the Red Sea, how they entered into the promised land and possessed it. They, he studied, along with the other Jewish boys, Israeli history, much like our children study U.S. history. But there were other subjects that he studied. But Mary made sure. Mary made sure. Friend, you're the parent. You need to make sure, and you are, and I thank God for you, that your children are in the house of God from years gone by. And if you are a faithful follower of the Lord and you have a family altar in your house, you're not going to have trouble getting your children to go to church. But if you don't have family altar, if your family is not a little church of two or three or four or six or however many, 
then, yes, yes, you're going to have trouble getting your children to come to church. You don't have trouble getting your children and forcing them to go to school, but their Christian education, their relationship with the Lord, is there anything more important? Mary knew that her son, even though he was the son of God, it was a progressive revelation that he had that he became the son of God. When he was a little baby, he didn't know he was the Christ, the son of God, going to Calvary to bear the sins of the world. It was a progressive growing into that knowledge. But Mary made sure, and I thank God for every parent here at the church who makes sure your son and daughter deserve Jesus. They deserve eternal life. They deserve to know the word of God and how to live a victorious life. And brother, sister, parent, Mother, dad, it's your responsibility. God gave your children parents to teach them to walk in the ways of God. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. (laughs) Parents, you have an awesome responsibility. Jesus took over the role of a parent. Mary was a parent who took over that role, and she did it with faithfulness. She did it with love. Now, she also took care of Jesus physically. Isn't that something? Parents will take care of their children physically, clothe them, educate them, take them on vacation, but then leave it up to them whether or not they get a Christian education and whether or not they go to church. And that's the most important thing, but that's where we sometimes become lax. God help us, and God is helping the parents here. We have Sunday school. We have vacation Bible school. We have all of these youth group activities. Thank God for the parents and for the people that are teaching our children. Thank God for you. I pray for you. I thank God for you. So here Mary now is going to take care of her child, her little baby, her little boy. Not only take care of him educationally, but she's going to take care of him physically. She fed him well. She dressed him well, but she made sure he was well educated in the word of God, the Bible. Now, listen to this. I know she took care of him very well physically, because when I see his passion and read about it in the Bible, what he went through and endured physically the last week of his life here on earth that led up to the crucifixion, He had to be a very strong, physical man in order to endure what he endured. And here was Jesus, now in the garden, when he became so stressed. Friend, have you ever told this story to your children? Have you ever read it to them from the Bible? I'm sure you have, because you're here today, and they're in Sunday school or they're here in the sanctuary with me and with you. When Jesus looked into that cup, he was a human being, just like we are, but he was also God. The adrenal glands released uh, released this adrenaline into his bloodstream from the pituitary glands, and it went into his blood, and... It, began, it broke open the blood vessels. The blood began to ooze out into the flesh, and finally it came out in the pores. That's, listen, that's how much Jesus hates sin. 
That's his opinion of sin. That, that's how powerful sin is. That was your sin and my sin. And he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood for me, for you, for our families. I'm talking about a Savior who was physically strong. Now, remember this as I go finish this out. Jesus never used his supernatural powers for himself. When he was here on earth, he healed others. He blessed others. He fed others. He raised the dead. He only used his supernatural powers for others. Never did he use his supernatural power for himself. Oh, he could have called 12,000 angels, but he wouldn't do it because he was doing what he was doing and he was here to do what he did for you and me. He was so strong. He was able to get up from that terrible place of sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Judas comes and kisses him on the cheek and betrays him. Jesus is arrested, and for two nights without sleep, he goes to the political trial, and secondly, the religious trial. And then they took a whip that they did with every criminal. Jesus was treated as a criminal. Oh, I, my heart is, is rejoicing, but my heart is sad right now, right now, because he, he became classified as a criminal for me, for you, and for our family. And they took that whip and they lashed him 39 times. Now, history tells us that they did this to every criminal. The Romans did this to every criminal. And many men who were whipped died. They were whipped to death at that moment. So what I'm saying is Jesus had to be a physically strong person. Then the soldiers took him into the barracks and slapped him and beat him in the face, blindfolded him, beat him in the face and said, who hit you? You're a prophet. You don't have to see. You ought to know. And then they took him out of there and put a heavy cross on him and led him up Calvary's hill. Now his strength is beginning to diminish. He couldn't take any more. Most men couldn't have taken what he took. Mary, you did a good job. You took care of your boy. You raised him well. Religiously, spiritually, physically, you took care of your boy. You raised him well. And while Jesus was carrying that cross, his physical strength was just about gone, and he stumbles under that cross. Now, there was a, an African man, Simon the Cyrene. I want to see that man someday when I get to heaven. I know he didn't do it voluntarily. He was forced to do it, but he did it. He helped Jesus with the cross. But this is the thing that bothers me. Not a disciple was there to lift a hand to help him. Friend, we can be so selfish and so self-centered, can't we? That bothers me. They finally got Jesus to Calvary, and then they nailed him to the cross. Mary was at the cross. Can you imagine how she felt as she looked upon her eldest son, her oldest boy, when they began to drive the nails through his hand? 
Standing there, helpless Mary was, unable to do anything, and then saw another soldier thrust a spear through his heart. And yet Jesus looks down from the cross, and he said to his mother, Behold your son, pointing to John, the apostle. And then John, behold your mother. He's still taking care of mom, even at that time, while he was taking care of me and my sins. He was taking care of his mother physically. And then the soldiers, as they did every criminal, they stripped them, stripped them, all the clothes off of them. And then they divided the clothes of those crucified. They divided their clothes among themselves, the soldiers did. And they found this one piece of clothing of Jesus, which was the seamless robe that his mother had made for him. And Jesus wore that seamless robe. Now, they wouldn't tear it because it would definitely ruin the robe and disgrace it. And so they cast lots, meaning they rolled dice. Somebody said, did you know, is, is it wrong to gamble? Well, you tell me. They gambled for our Savior's clothes, particularly that, that robe. The scripture says in prophecy in Psalm 22, verse 18, they divided my garments and they cast lots. You see, none of this was an accident. It was all prophesied. Everything was known. And Jesus submitted to it until he cried out, it is finished, and he yielded up his spirit. But listen to this, friend, listen to this. Jesus wore a seamless robe that his mother made for him. She loved her son. He was her boy. Only one other person in Israel would wear a seamless robe, and that was the high priest. Only the high priest, the mediator between God and man. What was going on here? Somehow Mary knew that this, my oldest son, is going to get me from sin to heaven. He's the Savior. Not only is he my oldest boy, but somehow she began to realize, even back then when she knit that, knit that robe together, that he was the mediator. Even Job, with all that Job went through, Job said, if only there were a someone if only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon both of us. If there's only someone that could lay his hand on me and at the same time lay his hand on God and bring us together. Little did he know that Jesus would fulfill that desire of his. There is someone, friend, that can take your hand and your situation and couple you with God and bring you into the presence of the Almighty for the blessing of God, your Heavenly Father, upon you. Jesus, Mary saw her oldest boy crucified, but she also saw him resurrected. Friend, God help us, and God help you, and God help me, and God help us with our children, that we'll never cease to praise the Lord in the presence of our family, that there's a Savior who took our sins, who bled drops of blood in the garden, 
who rose from the dead. Tell it, tell it over again. Tell it over and over. Don't ever stop telling it and don't ever stop praising him. Oh, as the choir sang, crown him with praise. He's done something for you that you could never do. He's done something for your kids that you can't even do for your kids. But do your children know it? God help us. Thank you for the parents who are living that life before them. She saw him crucified. She saw him resurrected. I'm sure as she was standing there and she looked up at that cross and she saw her son, somehow the revelation was coming more and more clear to her. This is not only my son, this is my savior. This is the one who's going to forgive me. Yes, Jesus forgave his own mother of her sins, for we have all sinned. We've all sinned. I can't think of what that dear woman had ever done that she needed to confess, but she needed a Savior, and we all need a Savior. I'm sure she began to remember when the angel came to her and spoke to her and told her that she was going to be the mother of our Lord. She asked when she was only about 14 or 15 years old, how's this going to be? And she told, he told her the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. I'm sure she was remembering. I'm sure she remembered when she took him to the temple when he was only eight days old. She didn't wait and wait until he was two, three, five, six years old. Eight days old according to the law of Israel. And he was brought under the covenant. And there was a prophet there named Simeon who saw him and recognized that little 18-year-old infant. And he knew that he would be the one for the rise of the fall of Israel. After that, here comes Anna, the prophetess, who was there well up in her 80s. She recognized him to be the savior of the world. Friend, do you recognize who Jesus is? Are you aware of how much he loves you and what he wants to do for you? And what he wants to do for your family? Oh, crown him with praise. He's so worthy. I'm sure Mary was thinking, she was remembering, because the scripture says all of these things from eight days, from, from the announcing of his birth to his eight days old to his 12 days old, all of this, she treasured it in her heart. She treasured all of this and remembered. And he was the mediator. Somehow she knew that this was the one that her boy was the one that was going to take her hand, God's hand, the mediator, the arbitrator, and bring them together. Somebody was going to speak up for her. And that somebody is Jesus who speaks up for you because he's at the right hand of God this morning, praying, interceding. He cares for you. And when you pray, he turns to the father and says, that's my daughter, that's my son. And Jesus edits that prayer, and it's a perfect prayer every time. He's the mediator. And then Mary goes out to the Mount of Olives with the disciples. She's always found thereafter with the apostles. And there, 40 days after his death and resurrection, 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared several times. She's fully convinced. The apostles are fully convinced. She stands there, and all of a sudden, two angels in white apparel on either side and she's looking at her boy, her savior, her mediator. And gravity loses its grip, and he begins to go back. And the angels said, this same Jesus that is taken up from you 
shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And she knew, that's my boy, that's my son, that's my savior, that's the mediator, and he's coming back for me. Do you know that he's coming back for you? Do your children know that if they live and grow up and grow old, that he's going to come back for them also? He's the Savior. With the apostles, she stood. Friend, today we're connected to a great race of people, the Christian race, the race that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're hearing, I pray that we are, this same Jesus that has taken up shall so come in like manner. Mary did her job, and she did it well. She's the first mother of Christianity. We at the Healing Word Ministries would like to wish all mothers a day of happiness and honor that is richly deserved in Christ Jesus. God himself created motherhood and continues to bless all those who unselfishly provide care and nurturing to families across the world. May his peace and strength be with you. We hope today's Healing Word has been a blessing and has encouraged your faith in God to grow. Be sure to tune in Monday at the same time for another edition of The Healing Word. Until then, blessings on you.